welcome to The Tax Files. My name is Ali Kazmi and I'm delighted to be joined by my co-host, Ekta Kumar. We're in a most jubilant mood at The Tax Files, for I'm pleased to announce the arrival of the first Tax Files baby. Very many congratulations to Ekta and her partner. Tell us all about it. Thank you so much, Ali. It is our firstborn son, which still sounds very, uh, very surreal to even say, but we are two weeks in, we're knee deep in diapers, water wipes, and all the fun things that you can imagine, sleep deprived to within an inch of our lives, <laughs> loving, loving you parent to parenthood. And good morning to all of our listeners again. It's so good to be back. Welcome again to The Tax Files, a monthly audio podcast where alongside an esteemed guest, we will be discussing the most pertinent topics for tax and accounting professionals while also getting to know some key members of the tax industry a little bit better. So life update from me, Ali. How have you been? What have you been up to? Oh, I'm going to finish the year on a high. Um, It's uh, just got back from the Middle East and the Far East. Um, Hansuke managed to get nominated as the best tax firm uh, in the private equity industry. And now I'm just trying to keep up with the sort of like year-end festivities. So it's, uh, you know, a fight between my waistline and uh, uh, going out every night. Well, Ali, I've been underground for a couple of weeks. So tell me, what have you got planned for the big day itself? What are you doing for the 25th of uh, December? Well, I, 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 all I can think of is just spending a bit of time with my family, the kids coming back from uni. Um, so, you know, at other end of the... The children, so it's all our lives get dominated, you know, by children. You know, it's just that other bookend, basically. We're going to have to switch, uh, switch tips and everything. <laughs> I'm going to have to pick your brain about how to get through the next. People keep telling me twenty-one to thirty years. Just forget about it. <laughs> so let's see. Just a child's play in time. <laughs> well, today is the 10th episode of The Tax Files, and it's a good one. We are joined by Sir Edward Troop, who is now working as a freelance consultant, speaker and writer on tax policy and the politics of taxation. Sir Edward has recently held senior roles at HMRC, including special advisor to five chancellors of the Exchequer. Wow. So it's a big welcome to Sir Edward. And uh, we will start by asking him a little bit about his background, his current interests. Uh, We will discuss uh, his thoughts on some of the recent uh, major economic developments. Uh, And of course, uh, we'll be subjecting him to our uh, most favorite uh, rapid fire round uh, at the end of the session uh, to ask him a little bit about his personal experience. choices, if I can say that. And so over to uh, you, Sir Edward. Uh, Welcome. Well, thank you so much for inviting me along. I've listened to a few of your previous editions and you've had some excellent guests and some great discussion. I'm feeling a bit anxious about the um, quick fire round. I'm I'm not sure my grasp on popular culture and as good as your listeners will deserve, but uh, I certainly will do my best and I look forward to talking about uh, those things which I have spent most of my life doing, which is uh, all around tax. 
Edward, we promise to be um, to take it easy on you. <laughs> I promise it won't be anything too grueling. But I'm very flattered that you've done your uh, you've done your groundwork and research on kind of how utterly terrifying it can be. <laughs> I'm rubbing my palms together and cackling as we speak. <laughs> so, Edward, I guess the first thing that is on my mind, and I'm sure is on a lot of our listeners' minds, you know, what was the key moment? that started your tax journey? You know, what really drove you to the place of, of kind of inception of the idea of this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to set myself on a road in, in kind of the wild and wonderful world of tax? Um, well, I don't want to disappoint um, listeners, but I wasn't on the road to Damascus and I, and I didn't see a shining light at some point which converted me to tax. Um, I actually started my, um, I wouldn't say my life out. Um, I started... Um, studying uh, maths and I did university I did maths at university and indeed I started doing a postgraduate degree in maths so um, but I, I, I found quite quickly that um, you know it's a great subject and I still love maths and I still do what uh, the professionals call recreational maths for you know for a bit of uh, light entertainment but it doesn't really engage you with real people in the real world so at, at some point I thought I needed to get out into the world a bit and um, partly because I've got a little bit of family background, partly because, you know, I like systems. I, I, I switched to the law and I qualified as a solicitor um, and worked in the city at uh, City Law Firm Simmons and Simmons. And I think, you know, I won't say it was a Damascene moment, but I think about halfway through my training, I realized that tax has everything. You know, it, it has really interesting problems, uh, has lots to learn. It engages everybody. Um, uh, you know, one way or another, every every client, large, small, or indifferent, you know, is is involved in tax. Um, and there's it's always changing. So and so, I got into tax in 1980. I'm afraid. Wow, Edward, I didn't know that you studied maths at university. I'm a I'm a fellow maths student at university as well. So we've got that in common. <laughs> We're going to have to take all our debates about game theory offline. <laughs> you, you probably studied it more recently than me. I probably wouldn't understand half of the stuff that uh, that you did, but uh, I I enjoyed it a lot. The main thing was if you went to the lectures and understood them, you could go out and enjoy yourself in the afternoon. There weren't any books to read. You just had to remember how it all worked. I can neither confirm nor deny whether my attendance at the lectures were hundred <laughs> percent or not. You'd have to ask the wonderful lecturers at Queen Mary University London of what they thought of my attendance. But you're you're absolutely right. I think the the segue into tax that sort of has a bit of everything, right? The the kind of technical side of things, the kind of application side and how relevant it is to people, um, you know, is is definitely an alluring thing. If if you could and I guess this is a this is a bit of a million dollar question, but if you could go back in time and having seen everything that you've seen through your amazing career at, you know, Simmons and Simmons and HMRC and all the work you've done recently, if you could go back in time, would you still walk down this path? Would you still choose to, to do this? There's a wonderful quote about, uh, you know, making decisions and not regretting them. And, and I've not regretted anything. Um, it's really hard to say, would I have done it exactly the same? I probably would have followed the same path, path but there would have been points where I might not have walked into the muddy ruts. So I might <laughs> might have walked slightly along the side of the path to get to the, the place I've got to now. But, you know, in terms of where I've been over 40 years, I really, there's there's not much I wouldn't have done. And you, you said I was a special advisor to five chance. That's not technically right. I, I started off being a special advisor and hence a political appointee to Ken Clark 
in the 90s and then went back into the private sector, came in as an official, so not a special advisor, a civil service advisor uh, in 2004. So to Gordon Brown and then Alistair to Darling and um, George Osborne and Philip Hammond. Um, and, you know, I've seen some great people and uh, uh, been at some great meetings and some less great meetings as well. <laughs> I guess with that in mind, the 40 years and, you know, kind of the, the plethora of people that you would have met and advised and, you know, kind of interacted with, what what sticks out to you the most from your time in the last 40 years? Is there a memory that sort of rings completely true or rings completely at the front of your mind when you think back over the 40 years? You know, the thing about working with politicians is, is, is there's a huge amount of entertainment, Um <laughs> Uh, and so I think the entertainment and the achievement don't always overlap. Um, I, I was very proud of uh, the, the budget we did in 2006. Um, I was, which was a, you know, quite a good reforming budget uh, and cleared up a lot of things, not all of which sit, stuck. Uh, I, I was less proud of the budget of 2012, which was what you might what was often described as the omni-shambles budget, which was the, the, the pasty gate and uh, the caravan, static caravans, if you remember all of that. But all of it has been hugely entertaining. And you know, even with the omni-shambles budget, there were moments of, of high humour. Yeah, I mean, interesting about um, what you say, the entertainment. Uh, I'm re-watching the thick of it at the moment. And it's absolutely hilarious. One of the entertaining things, and I won't name the minister, but there was a minister who, after there'd been a particularly good episode of The Thick of It, and the uh, and I or one of the other officials had said how much we'd enjoyed it to her the next morning, um, was rather dismissive of it because, of course, it was rather close to the bone for ministers. And uh, she said she much preferred... Uh, yes, Minister, as being much harder on the civil servants than it was on the politicians. But uh, the thick of it was pretty accurate for the years of the Labour government. And with that in mind, I guess with, you know, all of the, the, the kind of journey that you've been on with the highs, the lows, all the people that you've interacted with, the best and worst elements of being in tax, what would they be in your opinion, Sir Edward? Look, I mean, taking the politics out of it, taking the, the my time at HMRC out of it, taking my time as a professional out of it. The thing about tax is, as, as I said, it's everywhere. It brings together um, economics. Um, it does affect what people do. It brings together the whole issue of how a state works and how we fund the public services, how much money is needed, what level of spending we need, because ultimately it all has to be paid out of tax. And it brings in politics because the decisions on all of this, which literally affect everybody, ultimately are political decisions which can't be made through, you know, rational analysis. They are judgments weighing, you know, one group of people against another, one group of businesses against another, public spending, priorities of health or education against everything else. So it is such a rich topic that there is never an aspect of it which is dull, whether it's from the smallest detail to the highest politics. So one of the areas that you basically um, spend a lot of time on is on tax policy. And, you know, as a financial services tax practitioner and someone who really desperately believes in 
uh, the City of London. Um, I mean, do you believe that the financial services sector is, you know, being overtaxed, particularly sort of like if we have regard to the international financial centers, you know, the likes of, say, um, Dublin or um, Luxembourg, who have really emerged, uh, you know, out of nowhere, really, yet we have so much talent in London? Um, it's certainly over my working life. We've seen, you know, if you look at the Irish economy, uh, emerging from an economy which was largely based on agriculture with, with some brewing and some glassmaking. And I'm not being unkind, but the economy of, of Ireland in the 1970s was a fairly basic one to a very sophisticated economy with obviously a very strong financial services sector. And one of the reasons it's been able to do that, of course, is because it was a straightforward economy. Mm. It was possible to introduce changes and special regimes without disturbing the broad thrust of the public finances, the tax system, in a way which we couldn't do here mm. because we have such a large, open, uh, complex economy with so many different aspects of, of business and trade and a tax system which has had to reflect that. Maybe there's a part of me just feels that given the talent pool and our historical position, mm. we could have been further in, in the process. And maybe, you know, I, I, perhaps we can, you know, yeah. I, I talk about, you know, Brexit and the disruption that has brought about. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's finish off on the first topic. This is mm. a really interesting one because it's sort of saying to me quite rightly, could we have done better? Exactly. Could policy have been better? And I think the answer is yes. And I think in part, you know, the civil service, the, the um, public sector must take a bit of responsibility for, for not being smart enough in its design of uh, financial services taxation. But I think also uh, it is, it's a reflection of the politics. Mm. It's a reflection that I won't say that the UK being complacent, you know, that the, the Irish and the Latin bourgeois were really keen to yes. get financial services. Um, but I, in the UK, I think politicians slightly took it for granted or possibly worse than that, yeah. they sort of looked down on the city and weren't very interested in it or actually wanted, you know, to focus on elsewhere at the very least. And I think that uh, is, is part of it. So I think we could have done better. Should we have done better? Would the politics have ever allowed us to do better? I think that's some much more difficult questions. Indeed. Um, I'm, I'm not going to go chronologically, but I will jump forward because I think Brexit is there, and, and it is linked to the first matter that we raised, which is we were promised uh, Singapore, Singapore on Thames. Uh, not sure if Singapore should have been our ideal anyway. Um, you, how do you sort of like now that dust has settled, how do you see Brexit and the impact it's had? Um, I mean, Singapore on Thames was a wonderful phrase, which was, was never examined. I mean, uh, you know, I'd be quite in favour of the law which uh, forbade chewing gum and uh, putting it on the streets, walking around here. It'd be, it'd be quite nice. I'm not sure that's quite what they had in mind in terms of uh, what Singapore in terms uh, meant. Um, look, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm well out of the civil service, so I impartiality has, uh, you know, uh, gone. Uh, Brexit clearly was, and I'm not just making this up, you know, it was clearly a disaster for the UK economy, but I, I think it's actually been a disaster for policy. And I don't mean that the policies themselves have been disastrous, although many of them have been, but it has diverted political 
attention uh, to something which was clearly a mistake and has led to all sorts of you know, weird behaviour by politicians when there's so much else in this country which needed fixing. And it's not that the government don't want to fix those things, they just haven't had the bandwidth to do so because they've been obsessed uh, with this all-consuming um, thing. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for that. There's two more points I wish to cover. One is particularly around your own experiences uh, when the global financial crisis was unfolding, because you know you were very close to uh, Gordon Brown and Alistair Darling, and were in the thick of it, if I may use that yes. term, um, at that moment in time. I mean, I would say that was a really... Uh, great moment for Great Britain to show just what kind of leadership we are capable of. I mean, I think we did. And I think uh, Gordon's part in that, you know, perhaps has been slightly forgotten, not by Gordon, <laughs> by, uh, by, the, by the rest of us um, or the rest of the, the world. Um, I think it's interesting to play back a bit. I think we probably could have done more in this country to see it coming. Mm. Um, I, I'm not convinced that we, the Treasury and the system, you know, had thought about the risks to the financial sector in the early mid-noughties. But when it did happen, I think the UK did react well. Hmm. Um, you know, I think although the relationship between Gordon Brown and Alistair Darling was an uncomfortable one, and it was visibly uncomfortable for those of us working in the Treasury, it actually turned out to be an effective one. Um, and having Gordon in number 10 and Alistair in the Treasury, um, and, you know, I think worked very well. And, and, and I would say to, to listeners, those of you who I'm sure would have been aware, uh, you know, I think it's a great, great sadness that Alistair died at a mm. very early age, a, a couple of weeks or so ago, because above all, he was a very nice and decent man and a lovely man mm. to, to, to work with. Which I think is a shame. Because generally in politics now, we don't get those uh, people any longer. I think the culture of politics has changed. I, I think that's completely right. I, one of the ministers I worked with when I was special advisor to Ken Clark had really quite strong um, Eurosceptic in those days views. Uh, so not wanting to leave the European Union, but um, not believe you should be in it. But I loved working with him, even though I disagree with his views, because he was someone who, when he was faced with a decision, would go back and apply his own internal thought-through principles to the question. In other words, not just look at the problem and say, what do, I, what do I think the answer is, but actually what do my principles and motivations tell me the right answer is? And I really admire that. Mm. I think we have lost that, you know, partly because of the sort of the heat of the moment approach to all decision making, but partly I'm afraid that I, I don't think many of the politicians and the policymakers we have have got those deep principles which they can apply, which above all is needed for good quality, consistent policy, and which I think the consequences, you know, even if you're in some detailed bit of the tax system, um, you know, are felt right through the entire system. Indeed, indeed. No, absolutely. I think, you know, we just talked about perhaps in our living memory one of the the greatest moments where we showed leadership um, as a country and 
in the aftermath of the global financial crisis. Uh, I, I turn to the almost the the, the nadir of this is uh, with the, the list trust uh, budget, and I know you were out of government and so on. You weren't in Whitehall at that time. I mean, how did you? What was your impression of what was going on? Um, it, it was, I, I'm afraid, entirely obvious, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not suggesting some huge hindsight here that it was going to go hopelessly wrong. Um, ultimately, um, the markets do depend, uh, do determine the fate of governments and of fiscal and financial policy. Norman Lamont learned that on Black Monday in 1990 when we were expelled from the European exchange rate mechanism and subsequent chancellors knew that and although they sometimes tested the limits of the markets they lived quite rightly I won't say in fear of them but an awareness that you know you either have to raise the money through tax or borrow it through the markets and you know the lesson from history if they look back is that Louis the uh, 16th lost his head because basically the Dutch wouldn't lend him money and he he, um, you know, the French Revolution was largely down to a crisis of the markets. And, and Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng, you know, in some sort of bubble of self-belief and ignoring all sensible advice, believed they could buck the markets. Well, you can't. It's kind of touching on that point and looking at what history sort of taught us through through the you know, course of time with a lot of the communication around this and a lot of how relevant this is to kind of the, the current people right the current day and age with all the damage that has been caused by you know all the changing in leadership all of the kind of you know maybe misturns in certain situations and communication around these things in your opinion and I'd be really interested to hear kind of how do you think the the public can start to gain a bit more confidence in you know the strategy and the policy around tax and sort of the direction of travel what do you think needs to happen in your opinion yeah, I mean, you know, there, there, there is a word here which is misused but is not inappropriate, uh, is trust. And, you know, trust uh, arrives on a donkey and leaves on a panther. Um, and, <laughs> you know, trust has been lost um, in quite a lot of things in this country. And, you know, what needs to be done is some slow, solid, workman-like delivery of good tax and other policy, I mean, all policy, um, to slowly regain that trust. Now, um, whatever happens at the next election, I think, you know, success will be marked by a period which is as boring as it's possible to be in these very tumultuous times. And, And ultimately, you know, we love sitting here um, you know, talking about policy, talking about things in the heart of things. For most people, um, these things don't matter. What matters is their daily lives can go on, that they've got their jobs, they've got their health service, they've got their education services. And at the moment, the, the chaos, which in part derives from Brexit, has been compounded by what happened uh, with Truss and Kwarteng, um, means that those n- the normal business and normal services, you know, are disrupted and they need to be re-established. Excellent. So thank you very much, Sir Edward. So before we move ahead to the rapid fire round, I just want to recap uh, what we have covered today. Uh, We started by talking a little bit about 
how you got into the profession, um, some of your career highlights. Um, we've talked a bit about uh, the international competition, uh, competitiveness, um, some of the missed opportunities, the post-Brexit disruption, the global financial crisis, and the importance of the financial, the discipline of the financial markets, which should not be ignored. And uh, importantly, you've just um, uh, highlighted the importance of trust in whatever walk of life that we may be looking at. Now to get to know you a bit more as a person, Edward, all that sort of light chat around tax policy <laughs> and everything government related is going to fail in comparison to sort of our preferences around the Kardashians and everything else that might come up. Are you ready, Edward? I'm, I'm seeing a bit of quaking in your boots. I'm very excited. <laughs> what have you heard? Before we dive in, what have you heard about this rapid fire round? Are you, are you... Uh, you know, I've heard it sort of uh, fires out questions which uh, give me choices, which in real the real world I hope I'll never have to make. And but I quite like to understand, even if I uh, don't have to make them. <laughs> I promise we'll start off slow. Don't worry. Without further ado, Edward, are you ready for what we call the rapid fire round? I'm. I am so ready. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this. Let's kick it off. Netflix or Prime Video? Prime Video. Playlists or podcasts? Podcasts. Bob Dylan or Bob Marley? <laughs> Bob Dylan. Pret or Pret or Greggs? Pret. Drama or comedy? Uh, drama. Tom Cruise or Tom Hardy? Ooh, good one. Tom Hardy. Would you rather be too hot or too cold? Too cold. Indian food or English food? English food. Glass half full or glass half empty? Oh, glass half. And I can see Ali itching to jump in with his last question. Ali, why don't you round it off for us? Yeah, look, I'm going to... I think you've, you, you've given him a really easy ride, actor. Yeah, I... I have. He's one of my favourites. I will be a real tax nerd and ask, Office of Tax Simplification or the Tax Rewrite Project? Um, tax Rewrite Project... Um, I was involved with the Tax Rewrite Project, uh, which was set up by Ken Clark in 1996, as I recall. And I was a great believer in it. I'm not sure it quite achieved what I thought it would achieve, but it had a very clear purpose. And I'd like to think it laid the foundation for some better tax law. That's for all the tax nerds. You sailed out on an absolute high there. Where, where are we going to enroll you for? Is it Big Brother? Is it I'm a Celebrity? <laughs> I can't say I've watched any of these things, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they appeal to your audience. What do you watch, Sir Edward? While we're on the on the topic of getting to know you better, what's your uh, what's your kind of evening TV watch? What, what are you watching at the moment? No, what was the best television series of all time? Is definitely The Wire. Uh, that's what I love. I love a Good, you know, reasonably cerebral, you know, a bit of police procedural, a bit of goodies and baddies. And if you haven't watched the French series Spiral, which I think ended up with seven, six or seven series, I, you know, commend you to you know, use your sleepless nights to catch up. 
good good recommendations there guys we're going to write them down and we're going to next podcast come back and talk all about what what else you've been watching afterwards <laughs> well before we before we kind of sign off and and kind of go into sort of our goodbyes what piece of information or advice would you like to leave our audience with well first of all i i i'd say don't be deterred uh if you come to tax policy one of the things i learned is that um, you can never assume that uh, you'll get any specific thing done, but equally, there's nothing which you might not get done. So if you really think, and I think this goes well beyond tax policy, if you really think there's something that you think ought to be done to change the world, improve the world, or whatever it is, stick at it. Because particularly in the world of politics and policy, you push and you push and you push and the stone doesn't move, the stone doesn't move, and then eventually it starts rolling. And when it starts rolling, it rolls down the hill with some speed. And you then have a huge satisfaction of seeing something which you've you know, fought for for a long time getting done. I think that is indeed a good way to end on a high. Edward, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast. We've really enjoyed having you on. Um, Thank you, all our listeners, for listening to The Tax Files. It's been a pleasure having you join us. Please subscribe and get in contact if you wish to discuss any of these topics with us and our team, or if you have any questions, post this podcast. We'll catch you here again at the same time next month with a most esteemed guest. To stay up to date with announcements, updates, and guest reveals, please follow Hansuki on LinkedIn. Thank you very much. Thank you. I've had a great time. <laughs>